Hi, it's Tom Cronin here, founder of The Stillness Project, and you're listening to Soul Traveller Radio, the home of conscious music. You got to accentuate the positive. I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life. Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Hi, how are you going? You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation and psychic medium, accentuating the positive for the next hour here on Soul Traveller Radio. It's my intent to present more empowering and loving messages through our media, more love in the media. So I present inspiring stories from people all over the globe who break down the barriers of prejudice, judgment and hatred and uplift our world with their stories and their messages. You can listen to some of my interviews on iTunes, Stitcher, Mixcloud, Soundcloud, Soul Traveller Radio. Please subscribe and support Positive media. You can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. I'm so delighted today to have the founder of The Stillness Project, Tom Cronin, with me to have a chat about meditation. Hello, Tom. Welcome. Hi. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me along. Thanks for chatting with us on Accentuate the Positive on Soul Traveller Radio. Now, Tom's got a fabulous story. I'm going to let Tom tell you a story, but he's also a man with a plan. He wants to teach only a couple, a billion people to meditate. Is that right? Uh, definitely inspire a billion people to meditate daily. I might be sort of quite worn out trying to teach a billion people, but certainly inspire a billion people to meditate. How they go about that is going to be numerous ways, but yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into that a bit later. I'd love to hear your story. What led you to meditation? Yeah, it's quite an unusual path to get into sitting in a chair meditating. Um, I was a broker in finance, started out in 1987, the same year as Jordan Belfort from Wolf of Wall Street. And we led very similar lives, I must say. Um, he was 22, I was 19, and he started out as a broker the same year that I did. And, um, you know, it was very fast and furious. When I was watching that film actually come out recently, I was kind of getting shivers at, at how accurately they portrayed that industry back then in the late 80s. Um, and, you know, it was fun, it was fast. It wasn't really what I'd intended to do, but, you know, it was um, certainly something that was very exciting for a young guy. Um, fresh off from backpacking around the world and blowing lots of money. And, um, you know, I was really drawn into the excitement of it. You know, before long, I was actually surprisingly very good at it. And I was given six-figure salary in a fancy fast car and a corporate Amex card and given the instruction to go out and win clients' business. So by daytime, it was frenetic trading on a big, vast trading room floor of lots of guys yelling and screaming. And uh, by nighttime, it was hitting the nightclubs, bars, and expensive restaurants till the wee hours of the morning. And this continued on for quite a number of years. Um, but eventually, what happened was my nervous system started to really uh, fray at the edges and show a lot of wear and tear. There's only so much uh, duress that we can put our system through before it starts to crack and break. So my system started to break with the load, and I started to experience some extreme panic attacks and depression, and uh, eventually a, a deep agoraphobia where I, I couldn't leave the house, had to have time off work, and uh, effectively I was experiencing, I guess you'd call it a nervous breakdown, which was 
um, your nervous system's inability to to um, to process the information of the day. I want to just and back up just a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Because um, you know you're going to be speaking to a lot of people that have a similar lifestyle. But that fun, you know, like when did it start to go wrong? Because I'm all about deliberate creation, which is being deliberate in what we think. And when you are having fun, when you're thinking, this is great, I'm loving life, I'm loving this, this is fun, you're usually in that same sort of vibration that you can find when you meditate. You're in a joyful vibration. You're in a flow. I mean, I'm sure that you experienced flow during that time, like when things just started happening, things just went right for you, everything was lining up, all the ducks were just lining up and it was easy. Did you find that usually successful people do um no i wouldn't say that actually i, I no. definitely wasn't in flow uh, i was in a state of fight flight so um you know on in in the day you know it was so much adrenaline you know that was fueling us it wasn't a natural calm flow okay. mm-hmm. it was it was like <clears throat> high adrenaline high cortisol high norepinephrine pulsing through your body you know split second decisions um very little sleep uh you know the room was thick with smoke everyone was smoking and Mm. Uh, by three o'clock, everyone was drunk. Uh, you know, it was it was pretty um, crazy times. And so your nervous system, you definitely flowed for me as a state of calm, harmonious alignment with natural law. Uh, this was certainly not that. This was a very um, force-filled, friction-filled, adrenaline-filled existence. And because the adrenaline was so high, you know, by five, six o'clock, because you were making so many split-second decisions and yelling and screaming all day long, that the natural tendency is to continue on aligning with that natural, uh, that, that synthetic high of adrenaline. And so you just are drawn to doing things that keep that momentum going, which is going to a noisy bar and taking cocaine and being in a nightclub with strobe lights at three in the morning on a Tuesday night, you know. Um, whereas now, you know, with as a meditator, or what I'm naturally drawn to do at the end of my day is go to a yoga class or mm-hmm. go to the beach and, you know, sit on the sand or sit under a tree or something that's aligned with my my current energetic state so yeah there was definitely no flow back then <laughs> no flow well you know some people love that i, I mean i believe that yeah there are, i look that, it was fun I, that's why i was doing it I yeah like, there know. are many experiences yeah. that we can have as physical sure. beings and and um but i'm sort of just visualizing you as a young guy just in constant terror like because, yeah, this fear, like running on that fear that you're going to, you know, I don't know, you're dealing maybe with other people's money and fluctuation of the markets going up and down and there's this, that constant fear that, as you said, that adrenaline, fear, fight, flight. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, when you say fear because, you know, you, the, the line between excitement and fear is really narrow and most of the time it was excitement you know, uh, in bars, high-fiving, racking up, you know, lines of Zambukas and, you know, spending a thousand bucks on a restaurant, um, you know, it was exciting, it was fun, it was adventurous and, um, you know, it was just uh, this fine line between fear and excitement that we constantly walked. Yeah, yeah. Okay, keep going. So, so yeah. what happened to you? You crashed so and nervous, burned. Yeah, they crashed time. and burned. The nervous system just said, dude, what the heck do you think you're doing to me? So, you know, it wasn't like it just happened out of the blue. It was yeah. a gradual progression of things deteriorating, you know, chronic insomnia, yeah. being sort of really edgy and, and anxious, um, you know, developing quite an addiction to some drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Um, and not because it was my life sucked, because I just enjoyed it again. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was just mm-hmm. really enjoying the highs. Um, but then um, 
these symptoms started to exacerbate and um, eventually it became full-blown panic attacks. And I didn't know what they were. It was just these extreme debilitating experience of fear and dread and loathing. And if any of the listeners have experienced that or understand what I'm talking about, this, um, it was so crushing, this wave of nausea and fear and dread that would just shut you down um, and you just didn't want to go anywhere. Um, and this continued to exacerbate until one morning I woke up. It was in February 1996, and it was a day I had a, a really big client lunch, and I was getting ready for work, and I distinctly recall the morning. Uh, I woke up, and I, the pins and needles that I was getting with the panic was generally the worst in the morning when I'd wake up, be much more observant about the feeling level in the body and the overstimulation of the nervous system. Um, but this morning it was, it was really quite extreme, and then I went to the bathroom, I was getting ready, and I... Um, everything was sort of tingly and anxious and then I remembered that morning that I had this big client lunch and I'm like oh my god how am I going to get through this lunch like I've got to try and hold this together with you know five high-end bankers that are going to want to talk about global markets in a very expensive restaurant for two hours Mm -hmm. and um, I had this wave of fear like I'm not going to be able to get through and then it just collapsed I just um, it was like a tsunami of, of fear and panic swept through me and I I fell on the floor. I couldn't breathe. I was nauseous. I wanted to go to the toilet and vomit. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't breathe. I had cold sweats. I, I, it was like I thought I was dying. You know, it was just such an extreme experience. So you woke up in the morning feeling this and it just got worse during the morning before you actually went out for work. Yeah, I didn't make it to work that day. How I, old I was, were you at the time? I was 29. So I managed to get some help from my partner. Uh, you know, she could see things were pretty dire. And um, I was keeping a lot of it to myself at that time, but it kind of the cat got out of the bag then. Um, so yeah. I went down to the doctors. I actually went down on my own to the doctors. Um, I remember that. And um, he said I needed to go home and bring my partner with me back. So I went home, went back down there, and then he basically shared what was happening to me and he, he distinctly said that I was having a nervous breakdown and you know we're all in there pulling our eyes out you know it's just I just couldn't believe that that would happen to me it was just such a you know something I just couldn't fathom mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was master of the universe I was mm-hmm. Gordon Gecko. like who the hell do you think you are like <laughs> me go for a breakdown like what and um so it was a big wake-up call, and then that morning he sent me to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist um, pretty much said that, you know, I'm, you know, in a bad way. I need to take pharmaceutical drugs, and I need to keep coming back to him. It was really demoralizing um, to be told by a guy that had plaques along his wall professing how incredibly skilled he is in the area of the mind that um, I'm an inherently stressful person and I need to live on these pharmaceutical drugs. It was almost like a lifetime sort of diagnosis which was really um, crippling for me to be told that and I really remember sitting in the hallway after that session um, at his clinic and I I was really crushed really crushed and um, I I kept taking the drugs and it just something didn't feel right for me over the weeks I was still taking time off work I couldn't get to work for a while and I just felt inherently something was not right I was moving further and further away from from some truth that was getting number and at that time, I'd seen a documentary about a guy called Bruno Grollo, who was a big property developer, and he was yeah. actually a meditator. Yeah. And part of that story was that he was meditating. Yeah. And, um, oh, my God, it was like this light went on in my head. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't like he was in robes or sitting in lotus. He was just in a chair and a suit. He was a businessman, yeah. He was a businessman, right? Yeah. And it was like this divine <laughs> epiphany that mm-hmm. 
that's what I want. You know, I, I just wanted to experience that so badly. That you didn't have to grow a beard and ch- yeah, and go to yeah. India and become it's like... <laughs> so relatable, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was just really exciting mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I basically went and started exploring meditation and um, I looked at different techniques, different modalities, and there was a lot of different ones, you know, from chakra clearing and crystal bowls and Tibetan yeah. bowls and all sorts of things. But then I found one that really was quite distinctly profound for me it was uh, very scientific and taught by a neuroscientist and a man in a suit and um, I just really resonated with it so um, and that was effectively transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation and uh, you know from that moment it was like I'd been given the keys to life it was like I would finally felt like I was going home and everything that I'd been looking for in my life was found in this practice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. And not so much. I just want to clarify something because yeah, yeah. it was the wrong wording. It wasn't in the practice. Um, it's easy for us to revere practices mm-hmm. and go get up practice. The practice was the modality that helped me find me, um, the essence of me. So um, everything that I was looking for in life, I found in me through the practice, not in the practice. I want to get into the meditation itself, but let's put on a song. Have you got a favorite song? I do have some favorite bands. Who's your favorite band? Um, I really like Sigur Ross. I like Explosions in the Sky, uh, a wonderful band called Vancouver Sleep Clinic. This one is Vancouver Sleep Clinic. You're listening to Karen Accentuating the Positive on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm here with Tom Cronin today, the founder of The Stillness Project. He would like to inspire a billion people across the planet to look inside and find that peace, be a bit still. And we've been hearing his story about the mad, crazy world of... Broking. Broking, being a broker, stockbroker, the nervous breakdown, and then finding meditation. So when I first started to meditate, so this is what a lot of people say to me because I'm a seasoned meditator. I think I started meditating in my early 20s. I had a different reason. I was using meditation not to overcome an illness but to find more of me because I was on this path of who am I as a spiritual being, who am I as a healer, how can I develop my intuitive abilities, my psychic abilities, my healing abilities, and all that came through meditation, all that came through stillness. Let's call it stillness because meditation, as you said before, can be like many different modalities. People Mm. think of it as guided meditation or this modality or that, Mm. but um, it's just stillness. What was happening, but when I first started meditating, my mind was just driving me crazy. I went up to Vipassana in my early 20s and I thought I was going to die for the first three days because my mind was exploding. Was that happening when you first started meditating? No, for a very different reason. The use of the mantra makes the meditation practice very different. Um, The reason why we might have a mind-exploding type experience is because there's nothing there to charm the mind and um, soothe the mind. Yeah. So it's give it like something a baby, to do. <laughs> give it something to do. So it's yeah. like the baby in a cot that's kind of having a temp, temper tantrum. Um, it's just got nowhere to go and it just gets screams and screams quite loudly. Whereas if you give it a little rattle or something, it will just sit there quietly and it's got something to, to entertain itself. So the mind's constantly okay. looking for charm. Yeah. And um, the, the sweet nectar of the vibration of the mantra was quite soothing. So I was blown away that, you know, I was I had a mind that was out of control and yet from the very first meditation I could sit there and just simply repeat that sound and, and that's why I teach this because I found 
that when it comes to stressed people, this is what I've found anyway through my own practice and my own personal experience as a teacher, one of the most effective forms of meditation because we've got something now that the mind will be entertained by when it, when, when we repeat that effortless inside the head. Focus on. Yeah. But a mind like yours and a mind like most people's, I suppose, the monkey mind, even when you give it a flame to look at or a mantra to say or a guided meditation, it's still... You know, it's still moving away and thinking about, oh, did I do that? Did I turn that? Oh, you know, I've got to do that, and they come back to it, and it's still moving, sure. constantly moving away. What What do you say? Because obviously, you attract a lot of people that want to to learn how to meditate. People that are, you know, they want to they want to find more of themselves. So maybe sure. they want to be more successful, and they think meditation is the key. What, what do you tell people about bringing that mind back to the focus? Because I think the word meditation just means focus, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it comes into many things. Um, when you're doing a, a guided meditation, there's a bit of focus there. When you're doing contemplation or visualisation, there's a little bit of focus there. When you're doing breath concentration meditation, there's focus there. With the mantra, there's some focus. We generally don't in, in transcendental meditation or Vedic meditation, primordial sound technique meditation, which are all very similar. You generally don't use the word focus. Uh, because that lends itself to some form of concentration. Now, with the transcending style meditations that I mentioned, if we're focusing on something, then we're not actually going to let it go. So the end, end result of repeating this mantra is that there's an effortless lure that the mantra has over the mind that pulls it towards a more charming proposition than thinking. And so the goal is not actually to be attached and focused on the mantra. The goal is actually to transcend the mantra itself. Mm-hmm. And the reason why the mind will actually transcend the mantra itself is because it's found something even more charming and more blissful than thinking or mantra. And that's pure consciousness where the mind now surrenders into a realm of no thought, yet it's in wakeful, a wakeful awareness state. So what we say generally as a guidance for the student is to effortlessly be aware of the mantra, but at the same time, not to grip it in your hand like a vice-like grip, but just leave it there in the palm. And whenever it decides to just drift away, we're willing to surrender it as the mind suspends down into stillness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a very effortless practice that doesn't require concentration or focus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting back to your stories. The doctor gave you the diagnosis of you're going to be on drugs for the rest of your life and then you started meditating. What benefits did you... I mean, what happened? Yeah, sure. I, I know you've said your story many times. Yeah, and you're probably, that's okay. <laughs> but it's, it's a good story. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, the first week was actually pretty turbulent and yeah. it's really important people understand this. It wasn't like there was Bliss. white turtle doves and yeah. church bells ringing. It mm. was actually quite a wild week. Um, where I was quite challenged because when we meditate, um, particularly with the deeper styles of meditation, the the physiology goes into quite a deep state of rest, four times deeper than sleep metabolically in transcendence, which is quite a remarkable state of rest. It's a state of rest that the body's never experienced in its lifetime. And here in this meditation practice, it's now going quite remarkably deep. And in that state, what happens is there's a, a deep, reorganization that's going on in your physiology and it's starting to throw off the anomalies and reorganize itself at a higher level and to do that it must eradicate the the stresses so 
the first week was quite turbulent, you know. It was a lot of feeling like the rug had been pulled out from underneath me and not knowing what on earth I was standing on. It can be quite confronting for some students in the first week if they've got a lot of stress in the systems. It's going to be different for everyone. Some students experience in their first week quite a blissful sensation, a deep relaxation, sleeping really well and just feeling really calm. Uh, for me, it was quite, I guess, turbulent in that it was bringing up a lot of stuff. Some fear would be coming up. And then after the first week, it really settled down and I started sleeping really well. I started to feel really light and really calm. And I was quite amazed at how quickly I recovered from all of those dispositions, you know, depression, anxiety and insomnia. Um, they kind of removed themselves quite quickly. So you're saying after a week you were noticing huge effects? Oh, yeah, huge, huge. How yeah. often were you meditating at that time? Twice a day. So, that's so for how long? 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed a change within the first couple of days. Yeah, very cool, very cool. Because I think what happens with a lot of people with meditation is they tend to compare their circumstances with somebody else. Like sure. somebody yeah. starts meditating and they're in bliss straight away, and somebody's like, "Oh, I just can't do it. I've tried and I just can't do it. I just like I don't like it. I can't do it. I can't get my head out of the. You know, like everyone has a different. It's a bit like birthing. You know, women compare their birthing. I mean, it's like everyone is different. Mm, that's, yeah, absolutely. that's what I'd like to sort of put out there that everyone is different and you've just got to find the fit for you but sure. you know so my, my analogy is it's like you turn the light on and when you turn the light on you see the dirt you know you see the dust you see all the stuff that maybe in that in that sort of panic got to get done got to got to got to got to got to you just don't see those limiting ideas that are running you that are not really serving you and when you turn the light on you get to really see them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So what were some of the ideas that were coming up that were slapping you around in that first week? Um, you know, I nearly stopped doing the practice because yep. it was it was really uncomfortable. You know, I just kind of didn't know whether I was Arthur or Martha, uh-huh. uh, you know, from going into transcendence and, and coming out into stress state and, and having a lot of anxiety and, and sort of emotions sort of moving around a fair bit. It's like um, the analogy I use for my students when I teach is that it's like, you know, cleaning out a pond in your backyard that you take one scoop of a shovel and scoop all the muck out of that pond, you know, not all the muck, but one shovel load of muck out of that pond, all the silt that's been building up for years and years, and you scoop one shovel load out, well, the water's become incredibly murky now. Yeah. Even though technically more of the gunk is out of the pond, yeah, yeah. the pond itself looks very murky. And uh-huh. so this is what I... I share with my students in that first week first two weeks and we see this a lot on our retreats uh, where we go much deeper and we get much deeper into the bottom of the pond and some of the deeper stresses that are kind of stored deep down in the body we start unlocking some of those deeper ones on the retreat because of our extended practice that we go through it can really stir up the muck in in the body and as those stresses are starting to dissipate and dislodge there can be some uncomfortable sensations so that first week was a little bit turbulent uh, and you know as given some really good support and that's the importance of having a teacher with your meditation practice i can't emphasize that enough because if you do start meditating the whole point of meditating is that you want something to be different if you didn't meditate you wouldn't want something to be different so you know the whole point of meditating is that you want something somehow to change in your life for the better obviously 
but not understanding how that's going to actually occur or why that might occur, it's really important we get some support and some guidance around that because you're going to get some experience sometimes that you're going to have no idea why that's happening and a, a good teacher to support you through that process is going to be really important. I want to say something because I think this is very important because this happened to me as a young girl. So as I said before, the reason I started meditating was not for health or to get better, but to expand, Mm. to expand my awareness, to expand my intuition, to expand my ability to, at the time I was doing hands-on healing, you know, to channel energy through Mm. me like I want. And I did expand and I became so empathic that I couldn't go to the supermarket because I was just feeling, you know, all the thoughts involved in the advertising of the Kellogg's, you know, of the, the cereal and, you know, all those thoughts that was just, I felt, I felt like your nervous breakdown when I used to go to the supermarket. I felt overwhelmed with information because I was so expanded. And this is something a lot of people don't tell meditators that you do expand you become more sensitive to vibration you become more sensitive to the vibration of your thoughts so your negative thoughts hurt more but your joyful thoughts feel better Mm. but you you taste changes you know your sight changes well unless you get older and and you're hearing i mean you start to expand and for me no one was teaching me how to how to control that empathy I Mm. I couldn't be in crowds and what I understood was because I was expanding so much vibrationally I had to clean up my thoughts I had to clean up that muck at the bottom of the pond you know because that was hurting me more because I was more sensitive to it Mm. and Mm. because I was more sensitive to it I was sensitive to it in myself and in others and so feeling other people's negative emotion you know, because I was sort of at a similar vibration to them, I was a mess in my early 30s, you know. So meditation was wonderful but was awful too because of this expansion. Mm. And, um, yeah, it took me a while. I think I probably wasn't until my 40s that I understood that I really needed to clean up my own vibration because I could only perceive in others what I was vibing in myself. Mm. So if I was loving myself, then I could feel that love from others and I wasn't available to their pain and their hurt if I wasn't in my own pain and my own hurt. That was something I felt very important. Yeah, absolutely. Meditating. Yeah. Did you find something similar? Have you found your intuitive abilities have expanded your yeah you definitely become you know i remember my teacher telling me it's we're removing the barnacles of numbness yeah and and you know that's really the the refinement process and detect the right action right thought right words um requires a great deal of intuition and refinement of awareness and um and that is done through sensitivity and and you know refinement of our vehicles so um, obviously, in that space, you're going to be fairly sensitive to the world around you. So, yeah, it can be quite challenging. And, and that is just part of the process of becoming less dense and more and more refined as a being. Yeah, challenging. It's like the princess and the pea story. <laughs> she, she, Absolutely. Is a test of your, uh, your sensitivity is a test of your, uh, I guess, your, your process of refinement. Actually, you just reminded me of something. I remember that story as a kid, and it stuck with me, and you've just brought that back to me. That, that's exactly what was going on, and I didn't think of it like that at the time. Yeah, but yeah. as a little girl, I remember that story and, th- and being really curious about this crazy woman that would feel a pee under 100 mattresses yeah. or something. It, used to, it really captured my imagination. She was so refined. That was her test for whether she was a princess or not. <laughs> 
We're going to come back. You're listening to Car and Sway and accentuating the positive on Soul Travel Radio. I'm talking with Tom Cronin, the founder of The Stillness Project, and we're going to be back after this. This beautiful piece of music is called Your Hand in Mine by Explosions in the Sky, one of Tom's favourite bands. It's Tom Cronin here, founder of The Stillness Project, and you're listening to Soul Traveller Radio, the home of conscious music. You're listening to Karen, accentuating the positive. Great to have you with me again. I'm speaking with Tom Cronin, the founder of The Stillness Project. And for those people that cannot see him, he's pretty hot. <laughs> Aha, I've just embarrassed him. <laughs> he is, he's on a mission. He's on a mission to inspire a billion people to meditate, you know, just a little mission. Maybe you can help him out. And we've been hearing his story and what meditation can do for you and the pros and cons of meditation. I mean, there are always pros, but when you first start, you've got to have a, as Tom said, you've got to have a teacher to help you guide your way through it because things shift around, things change. So what do you want to see happen in the world? How do you think teaching a billion people to meditate or how do you think inspiring a billion people or a billion people being inspired will change the world? Well, I, mean, I think what really led me to, to where I'm at now with the Stillness Project and our mission, and yes, it is a big mission. It's going to keep me going for a while. But if, um, I, I, if I set my target too small and we, we, it reached it too quickly, I wouldn't have anything left to do, so life would get a bit boring. Um, so I thought I'd better set a pretty high target. <laughs> but it blew me away, absolutely blew me. In fact, I was just gobsmacked that I could be transformed so quickly yeah. from anxiety, depression, insomnia, you know, constantly sick, constantly tired. I would have said I would probably was, um, what is it, uh, OCD, obsessive compulsive, probably a little bit on the ADHD as well. And yet that all just simply went away, like quite remarkably. You know, it wasn't like overnight, but it was a gradual dissolving of those symptoms, those imbalances, those anomalies that I'd accumulated through living an imbalanced life. And I just couldn't believe that the world wasn't doing it, that it was that simple. I had a sound or a pit inside my head. I sat down for 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. And on so many different levels, it changed my life, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, it scientifically reversed my age. You know, it was proven through some biological age tests at a naturopath. Um, it was just remarkable. And I just, I couldn't understand that it wasn't a global practice. Yeah. And so um, I became quite... <laughs> fanatical about sharing it with the world to the point where I probably upset quite a few people because the one thing I've learned is that there's a, a, actually a skill set in sharing things and imposing um, your belief system on someone else that isn't open to the idea of it is, is quite patronizing. So I, I learned the hard way that, um, oh. you know, it's just about living it rather than preaching it. Oh, look, um, hallelujah. I, I did that with my family too. You know, yeah. when I when I hear you say that, I, I'm reminded of Rhonda Byrne who, who put out The Secret, you know, when she yeah. read the, about law of attraction because, you know, this is what I teach. She was like, why, why do we not know about this? Mm. Why doesn't the world know about this? And that was her mission too. She was pretty successful, huh? Sure. To make a, make a movie, yeah. to make it mainstream. And, and hallelujah when that movie came out, because I had been preaching it and not living it 
for years and my family would look at me and say, oh, shut up, because I yeah. was like, I was just this evangelist, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think people were secretly avoiding me because I knew I was going to talk about meditation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was pretty, I, I learned how to, I was a very annoying person, I think, because it was just so life-changing for me and I just really wanted to share it, which is coming from good intention, but I exactly. think I stepped on a few people's toes. So yeah. I apologise to anyone out there that I, I uh, pushed meditation onto them when they, they went over to it. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Um, so now it's a little bit more subtle. You know, I do have a big mission, but it's I've learned a lot. It's just about just, you know, if, if people invite you to talk about it, then talk about it. But otherwise, just keep living life. You know, at home, I'm just a dad, you know, and I just hang out with my kids and hang out with my family, my wife, and go to the beach and surf and, you know, and um, when I'm in the chair and people are sitting in front of me and they want to know more, then then the knowledge will flow forth. But um, yeah, you're a great yeah. teacher. I've seen you. I've seen you Thank do you. your thing. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I really set out with finding ways to to share this technique with the world if people were open to to using it. So um, you know that was through social media. You know everything changed from when I started using this technique. We didn't have internet. We didn't have social media. So there's a very different phenomenon to go from learning this technique in 1996, pre-internet, pre-mobile phones, pre-social media, to then going through that transition point where we had the ability to communicate with people all over the world. So I could, yeah. you know, grab a camera, video me, put it onto Vimeo or YouTube and share it with the world through blogs and things. It was quite amazing where all of a sudden I had the ability to reach a large all corners of the globe so you know it was all about now putting out content it was like this is my journey and this is what I went through and if you want to do that and you want to get free of stress if you want to get free of anxiety you can I mean there's ways you can do that so it was just really just bringing stillness out into the world making it um, accessible demystifying it and just making it something that mums and dads can can start to embrace into their day Look, you know, when I first saw your work, I loved it because as someone who's been very involved in spiritual practice and healing for a long time, you'd walk into a new age bookshop and it was so hippie, I suppose, you know, with candles and, and dream catchers and crushed velvet. And that's cool. I, I went through my hippie stage. My daughter's still a hippie. She thought that I looked crazy. Now she's doing it because hippie's in. But anyway, I'm getting off track. And I love that your whole vibe was so with it, hip, now, secular, now, you know what I mean? And it, it, it was relatable. People could relate to it. As you said, you saw the businessman, yeah. uh, Bruno Grollo, meditating in his suit in his office and you thought, wow, if he can be successful and, and make lots of money and have a great family and a great business and he, mm. he, he attributes his, a lot of his success to his meditation, then this stuff mm. must be not just... <laughs> for rock stars who want to go to India. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess we want to teach, we, we teach the way we want to hear it, you know, and if, and I think, you know, I've got friends of mine that are into the whole body drink catches and Tibetan bowls and Look, crystals all, and stuff. It's and hippies that's, back. It's I, I don't really know, hippies a, in. It's just what they relate to. And I yeah. think it just comes down to how, how I would like to receive knowledge is generally how you want to teach knowledge. Yeah. Um, and all forms of delivery are, are relevant because there's going to be a vast array of people that are going to want to hear it. And, you know, some people don't resonate with my teaching because it's it might be too mainstream or might not be yeah. soft enough or not. Um, you know, it's fairly masculine and it's fairly pragmatic and Science-based. there's enough you know hopefully i bring enough soft enough stuff in there that people can not be too you know scared of it but yeah it's a little bit of science based but just really making it simple and accessible yeah yeah you know you remind me of you said that you didn't have the internet when you first started when i was listening to meditation tapes i bought a 
a tape from Deepak Chopra, mm-hmm. who talked about meditation, and then it was a you know a, a tape. Yeah, it's a real, yeah. A, and then there's just silence on the rest. Of it. I thought this is hysterical. I've paid money for silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he said something that was so profound and I didn't understand it at the time. It's like do less and achieve more. And meditation is such that it exactly explains meditation. Like you just you do less and you achieve you achieve health, you achieve joy, you achieve connection. You just achieve a so so much so much in the stillness. And success as well, you know. It's, and success. Um, you know. Well, clarity, your mind yeah. sharpens. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know that movie Limitless? Yeah. And yeah. he takes some drug and he's like really sharp and he can read people's minds. And, and I was thinking at the beginning of that movie, I was thinking, just meditate. You don't need to take the drug. But, you know, at the end of the movie, he says to the guy, I figured out how to do this without the drug. And yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So getting back to, I think I asked you the question, what do you want to see happen in the world? Did we answer that question? What, what? Yeah, I guess in, not, not completely. I mean, I, you know, I see that we're in a, a chronic state of disarray and imbalance in the world. And it really is, you know, even us meditation teachers are swept along by this huge, overwhelming supply of information. You know, we wake up in the morning, we check our phones and we're at traffic lights, we check our phones and we're walking down the streets and we're looking at our phones. We've never had that phenomenon before in the history of mankind, Mm -hmm. you know, within the last eight years, you know, to go from just walking down the street or just sitting in the car possibly listening to radio to, you know, waking up and just having this bombardment of information all day long. And our nervous systems are really struggling with it. And I'm seeing, you know, all around me, around the world, basically, it doesn't matter which country you're in, whether I'm in the remote hills of Bali or downtown New York, wherever it is, I see youth, elderly, everyone is just absolutely consumed by that piece of information that's in their hand called the phone. Mm. And it's amazing how much charm that, that little piece of information has you know how much that little gadget has it's got so much charm that it just gravitates all of our attention and I feel that as well I can't believe how strong the pull is for me to go to my phone and scroll through Instagram feeds it really it really is quite fascinating and I'm still not completely sure why we are completely drawn to this process but it's having a serious effect on us and um, one thing is not it's not going to go away it's actually going to increase the I've read an article just today actually only a few hours ago where um, Google and Facebook what they're looking to do so if you think of a train runs along the tracks and the business owns the train but they don't own the tracks now what Google's looking to do or and Facebook are looking to actually own the tracks so they're looking to run and own the the way the information's provided to the people and they're already starting to look into buying up the the process of providing information to us um, the systems that provide that allow the information to flow through them the, the networks and what they're looking to do is increase the, the upload and download times to just remarkable, I don't know, understand the technology, but lightning it's Lightning like, fast speed. Lightning fast speed. Yeah, like I, you've ever, beyond you've ever known before. Yeah. Well, Sweden has it. Sweden has this yeah. incredible, like, I don't know, something terabytes per yeah. minute. You're like, you can, yeah, lightning fast speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're obviously looking to, to go down that, that route now to expand their businesses and to, the information is going to go so quickly. It's going to provide us um, with the technology that's quite remarkable. Um, 
and the way we're going to manage this, I feel, is to be very structured in taking time out to repair our nervous system from that information flow, to have time of stillness and go into um, a deeper connection without the technology, without that, um, you know, that other world outside of us. And um, I think that meditation, why it's growing so quickly is because it's just this natural, beautiful balancing act of imbalance happening here with the flood of information and the balancing act of stillness being much more embraced in our world today. So we just want to provide the opportunity for people to be able to access that. Do you think the kids come in wired for sound? I mean, do you think that they come in energetically ready for that information overload and they can cope with it better than the people, you know? Because I see my generation, for instance. I'm, mm. a, I'm a big tech head. I love technology. I find it wonderful. But a lot of my generation just can't, just just don't want to keep up with it. You know, they just, they just yeah. they throw up their hands and they say, oh, it's all too much. And the kids, of course, are just like on it. Like they're just, everyone says you want to get something fixed, ask a teenager. And uh, do you think they need to be be taught to meditate as well? Do they need that balance as much as well? What's happening? That's a really good question. Um, I think children have sensitivities more than we used to. Mm-hmm. We're seeing, uh, I think, a 2,000% increase in children using Ritalin under 12. Yeah. Uh, you know, a vast increase in children with ADHD and uh, anxiety and depression. Uh, Australia's suicide rate went through the roof, which was young teenage girls. Um, and, you know, Can I tell you something about an analogy I heard? Um, ADHD always dialed in to higher dimensions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's Sorry, probably right. Go on. <laughs> yeah, I look, I, mean, I'm, I, I don't know enough, to be honest with you. Um, I think we have to be really careful with our children and be aware that they're sensitive nervous systems. You know, I've got two 14-year-old kids, almost 14, and um, beautiful children, a boy and a girl who are twins. And, and do they meditate with you? Did they you, do yeah. meditate. And do they love it? Do they get a lot out of it? Yeah, they do. They, they don't choose to meditate on their own every day. It's not like, hey, I'm going to go and meditate now. It's like, hey, guys, we're all going to meditate. And they go, okay, dad. So, you know, kids are kids and they just want to play. They want to have fun. They want to be drawn into this exciting world out there. You know, we've kind of gotten completely overwhelmed by that world by the time we get to 30, 40, 50, and we want to start going inwards, whereas these guys are still exploring out there. So we don't Absolutely. sort of, you know, we don't allow them that but just allow them also the time to recalibrate. Um, they're taking on a lot in, in the world that we never used to take on. And so I think we do need to be really careful with our children and, and their nervous systems. They're very sensitive and um, they're still quite vulnerable and we're exposing them to a lot that they never were exposed to before. So I think we want to be really aware of what's happening with children uh, with things like diets, um, information, what they're exposed to, the way we talk with them. Um, yeah, they're very conscious. They're very clear. They, they certainly certainly are adaptable and pick things up very quickly. But we just want to be cautious and aware. Well, I you know applaud you for what you're doing. I think it's great. And uh, big things coming. There's big things in the future from Tom Cronin. Yeah. Do you want to talk yeah, about sorry. what you're up to? A few things that you're up to. Sure. Yeah, we're producing a feature film with uh, you mentioned the secret and Rhonda. Um, so Drew Herriot, who directed the secret, is uh, writing and directing our film called Superhuman which is very exciting. We're um, currently scouring the world for superhumans with superhuman capabilities. Uh, you can go to superhuman.world is the website where we uh, actually have an application where if someone does know of a superhuman that 
has quite remarkable capabilities beyond the average human being, then, you know, we'd like to find these people, you know, this, this is part of the, the film process of exploring the world and finding, because most superhumans don't want to be known. So what are, you, what are you talking about? What are you looking for when you say superhuman? Like people with extraordinary, what, like art abilities, singing, I don't know, like... What? Yeah, so you've got, you've got human capabilities, which is art and singing, mm-hmm. and then I would consider what you've got, superhuman capabilities, which might be levitation, teleportation, right. mm-hmm. telekinesis, lev- yeah. um, manifesting things at will, remote healing. Yep. And, you know, it might be uh, we've seen children that can uh, do third eye reading, that it's reading without, um, you know, being able to see objects uh, yep. through tuition. Yeah. Um, you know, there's quite a lot you know, people that heal themselves and heal other people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's superhuman now because it's not the norm. Eventually what we see as superhuman will be, be the, the norm. norm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we just, we just we just feel it's time that this becomes part of our reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's we've been holding on to a very outdated model for what human is and that um, whole duality type relative world experience of pain and suffering, mm-hmm. which is very human and also, you know, something we don't want to dismiss. It is a reality of being human, but yeah. it's not the only reality. And it's just like saying the ocean only has waves, but the ocean has a depth to it as well. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to dismiss a deeper part of what our reality is. Mm. You know, there's a new movie coming out in September, which is like a Hollywood version of that. You, you know, like, uh, what's it called? It's all over Facebook. I can't remember the name of it. The Extraordinary. It's about children with extraordinary abilities. Oh, wow. It's, it's a whole Hollywood thing. What's it called? Mrs. Pergrin's Home for Peculiar Children. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. So it's a bit like that, you know, that one where they had the school with the kids... Is it called the X? You know those all those kids that had that. Anyway, I'm terrible with names with movies and actresses and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but that 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 whole theme, that whole superhuman theme, because I absolutely agree with you. You know who we are as human beings now and what we can do is nothing compared to who we will become. Mm. Mm. And I really believe those intuitive and healing abilities will be a part of the norm. That, mm. You know, I when I was. I've healed myself instantly, instantly by just relaxing and, uh, I don't know, you don't like the word focus, but just focusing on being sure. relaxed. There's, and, there's a lot of relevance to focus. And, and you know, just asking or seeing it healed and just relaxing. And I've literally, be, like, beaten up myself and seen the lump come up and go down simultaneously. Mm. And I've seen a gouge on my daughter's uh, foot heal over like that so fast that... The skin had stopped and there was dirt underneath the Mm. skin and all because of this. But it's really about relaxing. It's not being in that fear. It's like just this knowing. And in that place of knowing, there's this incredible relaxation. I I can't really even describe, but it's what meditation, you know, it's what you're aiming at in meditation. Mm. And and that state of... um, that state of knowing and look today was a stressful day and I just did the whole I've got to meditate thing it's like shut the computer turn Mm. off the phone because I know the benefits of it it's just such a beautiful thing you know I've been coming along to your I'm so pleased because you've come back into the east you've come out of the city to your meditation nights because I love meditating in a group I I think the power of you Mm. know when we come together do you want to talk just a little bit about that we've sort of run out of time really just a bit about meditating sure. in a group yeah sure i mean everyone's welcome to come along it's uh, monday nights regularly monday nights it's not every monday night the next one's on march the 21st that's this monday at the plant gallery in bondi road 
And, um, you know, it's really important that I support my students that I've taught in my weekend workshops. If people want to learn, they can learn with me on a weekend workshop here in Bondi. Or they can learn online through our 21-day program where we disrupted that model of teaching meditation and made it available and accessible to everyone around the world. So we have an online program um, called Faster Deeper Bliss. And then we have weekend workshops where we teach in the traditional way. So we kind of offered um, this sort of disrupted model if people want to access that. And, you know, the Monday nights is about supporting our students with ongoing practice and opening it up to the audience, larger larger audience, to give them an experience of coming into a group meditation experience and having a taste of what meditation is all about. Mm-hmm. So I you can go to Stillness Project and find all that out. Yeah, I love that blended energy when we meditate together. Mm-hmm. Look, you're probably full of some stories. I I'd, I'd would have loved to have asked you, but, you know, I got too busy chatting you know of some of your students like the benefits the changes have you posted those online because I, I think that that's really, really yeah. convincing when you hear other people's story this is why I interview people because sure. I think you know hearing people's stories of um, healing and and getting off drugs and just finding a better life and finding a better way to think and feel and be it's just so powerful so do you post that on the stillness project yeah, if people go to stillnessproject.com, they'll see on the top tab praise and they'll see quite a number of different stories from people where their lives have been quite changed. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tom Cronin, thank you. It's thanks great. so thanks much. Thanks so much. For being, being, yeah. Thanks for, for listening, everyone. On the show. And how can we find out about when the movie comes out? Check in at still at superhuman.world and we'll be keeping up to date with everything through that. Very exciting. Thanks again for being on Accentuate the Positive. Great to be here. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to another hour of Accentuate the Positive here on Soul Traveller Radio. Wasn't Tom fantastic? Remember to support positive media. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and show us your love and also accentuate the positive radio with Karen Swain on Facebook and hit that like button support conscious and positive media it's changing our world if you'd like to find out more about me go to my website karenswain.com and have a bit of a explore there's so much to see on the website you can also book a reading with me there Remember to download the mobile app of Soul Traveller Radio. You have the home of conscious music in the palm of your hand. Thanks again for listening. Catch you next time. Bye for now. Feeling stuck? Wanting to know how to move forward with your life? Do you want to know how you make a difference in the world? Come and have a reading with me, Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation. Through me, you'll speak with my guides, blissful beings. They bring you a broader perspective of who you are and what's possible. Readings available from anywhere in the world on Skype. Book a session today. Go to karenswain.com. K-A-R-E-N-S-W-A-I-N.